From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five in a 30 mile zone. Foot like lead, nerves like steel, wild ride when it's taking the wheel. Have you ever been ghosted? Have you ever wondered why the heartbreak feels so much worse when you never have any closure? Or, plot twist, have you done the ghosting? Welcome to Love Etc. We're your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking about ghosting. Yep, the experience of spending all your time, energy, and hey, maybe love with someone only for them to, out of nowhere, completely disappear from your life. Did they die? You ask yourself. Maybe their phone broke. Or maybe they just haven't seen my messages. Or maybe you begin to wonder, maybe they really don't want anything to do with me. Today we delve into it all. How ghosting became a phenomenon, how the lack of closure can drive you crazy, and mainly we ask ourselves what the fuck is with our generation's inability to send a quick message saying, hey, I'm not really that interested anymore. But first, we asked you guys, how have you been ghosted? You've called the Love Etc. Ghosting Support Line. Tell us your trauma. So I was family friends with a guy throughout the whole of high school. Our families were really close. We went on holidays and everything together. And then at a party in year 12, we made out. And after that, we were a little closer, but still nothing more than friends. Then one night, he sent me a text asking to sleep with me. We were both virgins at the time, so I automatically said no. Immediately after, I was blocked. And then a few weeks later, I was unblocked and he asked the same question. As soon as I said no, I was blocked again this time on all forms of social media. It's been six years and despite the fact that I'm in a committed relationship for the last five years, I'm still blocked. And the weirdest part of all, when we do see each other out, he will talk to my boyfriend like they've been bros for years but still won't acknowledge my existence. This is maybe TMI for the ghosting story but I think it's hilarious. So I was chatting to this guy for maybe like a week or two and anyway he came over one night to watch movies and things started getting a bit heated and um, he was going down on me and then like probably like only two minutes after he came and it was was so awkward, it was so so awkward and then he straight after was like oh oh, I need to go, my housemates just messaged me, he needs a lift and I owe him from last weekend but I'll, I'll message you later. Literally, like, by the time he left, he wouldn't have even got home and I checked and he had deleted me and he'd blocked me on Snapchat. So I was ghosted because he came after going down on me for, like, two minutes. It's so cooked. Zara, we asked all of our listeners for their ghosting experiences and went through all of them this morning. What stuck out to you most about the Bumble Beehive? Oh my gosh, I think the main thing and the main point I wanted to get across today is that we received more voicemails and hotline messages for this topic than I think anything we've ever received across Shameless, across Love, etc. We got hundreds of voicemails and it took us quite a few hours to go through (laughs) them all. We listened to them all. And what I found really interesting, Mish, was it was impossible to work out, almost impossible to work out which ones to play because almost all of them were exactly the same. 
same. Mm. The threads were the same. The stories were very, very similar, which is to say from the outset, anyone who's experienced this, who feels like they're going a bit nuts with that lack of closure and pouring over the details of that relationship, you are not alone. I can't tell you. I wish I could just put all of these voicemails in a folder and send them out to people. A hundred percent. You are so far from alone. So many people have been through this. And I think as well, the people who have been through this need to join some kind of club because there is some deep emotional scarring going on as well from ghosting. I did want to do a little bit of research as well after we heard all these voicemails and we're like, what the hell? There is just so much heartbreak out there from ghosting. I thought I'm going to put an Instagram story up and poll my followers. I wanted to ask women in their 20s, have they been ghosted? Have they done the ghosting? Ladies, I feel like women may be the perpetrators of ghosting slightly more than they are the victims. 62% of my following, which I have to be honest, is like 95% women, 5% men. Out of my following, 62% of my followers have been ghosted. 66% of my followers have ghosted someone themselves. Do you find that surprising? I do a little bit because the the first thing that I thought was about the fact that anecdotally in my life, and I would be interested to hear about yours, I find that it's my girlfriend's or my male gay friends who are being ghosted by men, Mm. that anecdotally, and I will say this is a generalization, that men are doing the ghosting more than women. And I read this quote that I thought kind of backed this up a little bit from Dr. (laughs) Vilha, who is the former head of the psychotherapy program at LA Medical Center. And Dr. Vilha wrote, ghosting has a lot to do with someone's comfort level and how they deal with their emotions. A lot of people anticipate that talking about how they feel is going to be a confrontation. Mm. And I thought this very this tied pretty neatly to my hypothesis that it was men because we don't teach men to talk about their emotions. Right. We don't teach men that they can be open about their emotions. Women are a little bit better at talking about their emotions because that's the world that we live in. And then I kind of made this connection that maybe it's men and then maybe <laughs> it's all wrong. No, I have a theory. I think you're mostly right. I think what we need to talk about is there are different tiers of ghosting. One ghost is not all ghosts. They are definitely different and they come at varying degrees. So this is also a point made by Wendy Walsh, who is a psychology professor. She was speaking to the New York times and she gave three categories there's a lightweight ghost which for example say I'm talking to a guy on Bumble we have like some DNM chats we talk most of the week and then all of a sudden I decide I'm not going to reply to him anymore that's a lightweight ghost I didn't even know that kind of existed on the spectrum of ghosting yeah that's a lightweight ghost midweight ghost is like going on a date with someone and then they're like nah not going to respond to you maybe you've kissed and then you just kind of ghost them a heavyweight ghost is when you're full-on dating someone sometimes for months at a time and then you ghost them out of nowhere. My theory, particularly knowing my girlfriends and personal experience of being ghosted, I have definitely been guilty of doing lightweight and midweight ghosting. I've never heavyweight ghosted anyone. However, a man has heavyweight ghosted me and it is brutal. Talk to me about it. Do you feel comfortable telling the story? Of course I do. I mean, my entire life is content at this point, (laughs) isn't it? So I was dating a guy, I think I told this story in the very, very first episode of Love Etc., where I spoke about being in a situationship, was dating a guy for somewhere between three to five months and I was in love with him. I also spoke about this in our book, The Space Between, that I fell head over heels in love with this man. We went on dates, we went on a weekend away, we did a lot of the coupley things you do. Notably, he never introduced me to his parents, his brother or his friends. And I always noticed that was a bit weird and it all made sense when he abruptly ghosted me one summer out of nowhere, as in we were supposed to be going on a date I was ready to go on the date and he never texted to 
figure out like who was picking up who, where were we meeting, what time was the movie slot that we were going to go see. And that was the last time he ever spoke to me. Completely out of the blue, completely heartbroken. And I remember on the first night thinking, I'm overreacting. He's probably sick. His phone has probably been lost. Something has happened. But then the hours stretch out into days. The days stretch out into a week. And you find yourself going, hang on, what? Like, how did this go so wrong so quickly? And then you comb back through your entire relationship. You comb back through the last time you saw each other. And there are never any clear answers. There's nothing. And that's the hard part about being ghosted. You are forced to relive and retrace every moment together. I think what I found frustrating about stories when it comes to ghosting is the initial response from the person that's ghosted is always very similar and it's always concern, mm. right? It is always concern for the person that's doing the pretty asshole move, which is mm. like, oh, maybe maybe they're not okay. Like maybe I need to help them. It's often compassion and that's what makes it even harder to swallow because the person like you in this scenario feels immediate empathy for whatever scenario they might be and even if they're treating you terribly, which yeah. is – a sad part of it. I found a really interesting quote from Los Angeles Magazine from Ebony Utley, who is a professor of communication studies at Long Beach State. And this is a perspective I hadn't heard as much. She said, a lot of us think that a ghoster is just this terrible person who disappears from the life of someone else who cares about them. But I think a lot of ghosters don't want to hurt other people's feelings. It takes a lot to look someone in the eye and say, I don't want to know you anymore. Mm. I don't want to make ghosting okay, but I understand how it happens. I mean... I struggled reading that because I have been around a lot of people very, very close to me who have had terrible scenarios of being ghosted. Like I do think there's something colloquial about the term ghosting that almost diminishes the pain of when it happens, that Mm. it's such a pop culture term, it's such a pop culture phenomenon and it almost feels like we have diminished the meaning or diminished the hurt because of it. Like it's almost like we need a better word for it. So I read this and I thought, but it does take a terrible person to – date my friend for that long and share stories with my friend for that long and be that intimate with someone for so long and then just to completely fuck off. It takes a terrible person to do that. And then I read a quote like this and I hear how many people have done the ghosting, including very close friends of mine too, (laughs) and you feel very confused. And it is, is it just a total lack of comm skills that we have? I think it's a lack of comm skills, but again, it's all shades of grey. Like I think particularly in my experience, the hurt came from talking about the future together, making grandiose promises to each other, kind of speaking of our relationship in a way that it would carry on and then the blind side coming. I think that is very much different to going on a date, not feeling it and then never bothering to explain why or put yourself through that. I did read a really interesting article that explored the kinds of people that are most likely to do like a heavyweight ghost. And Dr. Gilly Friedman, who studies the language of rejections... <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing, but I fucking love it. At what Saint a job. <laughs> at St. Mary's College of Maryland said, individuals who have stronger destiny beliefs are more likely to ghost. If you're with someone and you realise they're not the one for you, you're going to think it's not much of a point to put in the effort, so you ghost. These people believe relationships are either going to work out or not. So, in a nutshell, if you believe in soulmates, you are more likely to ghost someone. And I think that's kind of me. Like, I'm not a huge believer in soulmates, but I'm definitely a romantic. I'm definitely someone who thinks there are only a handful of people out there for me. I know that's not very realistic. I know a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes. I am the way I am. Live with it. 
I did do that lower level mid-tier ghosting because so often I'd be like, well, they're not the one and therefore they're not for me. And that's quite callous and quite cold-hearted, but it's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. Well, when you put it like that, I'm a bit like that too, because I often considered myself a particularly harsh dater. I never wanted to waste a second of time or energy on someone I didn't see a future with, Yeah. which is perhaps not the way that everybody goes about dating. And now I realize that it is perhaps not the way (laughs) that everybody goes about dating. I mean, you put that out there, right? This is one main reason that people ghost. One thing we did find with our listeners who call the hotland (laughs) is there often seems to be another key reason that no one has mentioned why people ghost. Then what I thought was his ex-girlfriend wrote a huge post about how I had manipulated him on cheating on her. Um, I wasn't aware that he was still with her and he just ghosted me and I still don't really have any answers. And turns out that I was the other woman with his ex-girlfriend. So she had found out, he had decided that he couldn't see me anymore and just didn't feel like I should know that. And then he just messages me saying, my girlfriend found out that I was seeing you, so we can't talk anymore. And that was the end of it. Jesus Christ. I think that's the elephant in the room as well. Not always. Mm. I don't want to put that on the record and say this is always the case. But I do think it's a part of the story or a part of the conversation that is probably not acknowledged enough. Yeah, that you're the secret girlfriend or while you're dating and don't have a particular label on something, they go and find someone else, which is what happened to me, which makes the ghosting even worse because then you're not just dealing with rejection and heartbreak and a lack of closure. You're then dealing with, well, what makes that person that they chose over me more desirable, more attractive, more dateable, more lovable? And that's probably one of the most difficult questions anyone can try and grapple with in the dating game. What do you think about this perspective? I read this in the Washington Post from a clinical psychologist called Andrea Bonia, who said, the more it happens, the more people justify doing it. It's established a sense of normalcy around it that wasn't there 10 years ago. I think what I was trying to say before that the word ghosting feels so soft when we're talking about what is sometimes really intense heartbreak for people. Maybe this is what I mean. I feel like the more it happens, the more we talk about it, the more people justify it as a normal way to go about dating. Yeah, well, maybe we've flattened people. I mean, in the dating game now, we really do have a smorgasbord available to us. We flatten people into how they can serve us, how they're suited to us, whether or not they're the one for us. And we don't give enough thought to that person has their feelings and emotions and their experience and I need to do the right thing by them. I think dating, unfortunately, is such a selfish game. You're truly not thinking of the other person until you're in love with them and in a relationship with them. But is it just dating that flattens people or is that the internet in its entirety? Like the way we talk to people on the internet and deal with people and conflict, particularly on the Mm. internet, flattens everything. It flattens people, it flattens their emotions, it flattens a conversation. It's also this idea that the more we talk about it, perhaps the more it happens. Like, is this like a self-fulfilling prophecy? Like by doing this episode, are we normalizing the concept of ghosting to such a degree that people are going to be like, oh yeah, that's subconsciously, that's a legitimate thing to be able to do to someone. I don't know. One thing I do want to finish this on before we go to our next segment, Zara, is research does show people are far more accepting and understanding of someone who ghosts out of a friendship 
of years than goes out of a romantic relationship. And I think that says a lot about how we define romantic relationships and how many labels and I guess structures we want to put around romantic relationships. We don't do that for friendship. And it is equally brutal to ghost a friend as it is to ghost someone you're dating. I mean, I think we'll get to this later in the season because we definitely want to do some more stuff on friendships Mm. and the breakdown of friendships. But I also think it's all about like our lexicon we don't have the words to break up with a friend because we've never been told that we can we have the words to break up with a romantic partner I mean anecdotally I feel like every opinion I have on this mic in this episode is all anecdotal but (laughs) hear me out I feel like this year has been ripe for a ghost I Mm. really do feel like the conversations that I'm having with my friends are focusing so much more on ghosting than ever and I wonder if it comes down to people falling into the arms of others in a rough year where social contact is limited I mean in Melbourne in particular we've been in lockdown for months and when things start to return to normal they perhaps don't need that person anymore and just ghost out of their life Coming up next, how do you recover from a ghost when you get absolutely no closure? But first, it's time for a Bumble break. Zara Bumble knows that we're ready to kiss 2020 goodbye forever and are determined to find a way to help their users bring in a much better 2021. That's right, Mish. New Year's Eve this year might look a little different to last, but Bumble still want to help you guys celebrate from home. That's why they're giving the Bumble community the chance to win a New Year's Eve silent disco house party pack. My goodness, this is so up my alley and the perfect New Year's solution if events in your local area haven't quite started back up yet or if you're just like me and prefer a night in with your best mates instead of a night out. Download Bumble Date or Bumble BFF for your chance to win. You have until the 16th of December 2020 to enter. All you've got to do is start swiping and you'll find the competition profile to enter. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. I wanted to tell you about the time my ex-boyfriend ghosted me. Well, I presume we're broken up. I'll tell the story first. Uh, We went out for three years, pretty strong. I mean, there were definitely red flags that I should have listened to, but maybe the big one being he just never messaged me back and just ceased all contact. So, yeah, I think I'm single, but we'll see. I think it's for the best. I was about to head overseas to Malaysia for two and a half months and I met with this boy a couple of days before I left and look, I knew him from primary school, I'd seen him out and about and, you know, very my type and I thought, you know, what's the harm? So we kept messaging and he was fine with me going overseas and from that point onwards we transitioned from Instagram to Snapchat, Facebook, we even FaceTimed a few times and I thought it was going really, really well. Like we were talking all day, every day and I seemed really optimistic. That two and a half months passed and I was due to fly home so I let him know that I'm flying home and I would love to catch up with him in person. And he was keen on it. He was like, yeah, cool, no worries. Um, Let's go on a date. I'll sort it out. Can't wait for you to be home. So over the next few days, still talking fine. I then um, flew home, obviously, and I sent a Snapchat to him and said, I'm on my flight home. And I sent him another one when I had landed saying, just landed. And just like that, from that one Snapchat, He blocked me on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, everything, and I've 
never heard from him again. All right, Mish, we've talked about the phenomenon of ghosting, but one thing we haven't really touched on properly is the fallout. Yeah. The fallout can be huge. I mean, I feel like when there's a breakup, when you have that conversation and when you work through what went wrong and why you need to be apart, yes, it hurts. It's like a, I guess like the analogy I'm thinking of in my head is like breaking your arm, like a clean break. Yes, it hurts in the moment. You get plaster, you get to mend and heal. (laughs) This is like a soft tissue injury that you do day after day after day and it just increases. Like, (laughs) A ghost is so small and prolonged and painful over time that it's so hard to recover from because with ghosting, it's like you can't pin it down. You can't figure out anything. You feel needy and ridiculous and immature if you try and chase down answers. You feel like you're taking yourself too seriously. You feel like you're losing power every time you try and go back and demand something. I'm pretty sure when I was ghosted, I mean, I dated the guy for four-ish months. I don't think I sent him more than one or two messages. I literally just left it because my confidence was so rock bottom. My heart was so broken. I couldn't keep going back to him when clearly if he wanted to message me or wanted to contact me, he'd fucking pick up the phone and send me a message. Two things. The better metaphor would have been a broken arm without the plaster because then the broken arm never really heals and you just live with it anyway. Second thing. That's okay. I think that's the point that I wanted to make to any person who called our hotline for this episode. And also we probably didn't thank everybody for doing that and putting their stories on the line. But I despise this idea that because you've been treated badly and you're the one that's being ignored, you don't have the right to turn around and message them and demand an answer if that's what you really want. Like maybe Mm. that's not the healthiest response in your scenario, but for people who feel like they're too embarrassed and don't have the power and don't have the right to do that, I feel sad because I think this person who's treated you terribly has put you in that scenario. Mm. Like they're the one that's done the terrible thing. You shouldn't feel needy or like you don't have the right to demand an answer if that's what you want. I wanted to read a passage from Dolly Alderton's latest book, debut novel called Ghosts. I think if you do want to read a really powerful fictional story about ghosting, then Ghosts is the book for you. It was our book club pick at Shameless last month. And I wanted to read this passage from the main character, Nina. I wanted to call Max. I wanted to talk to him. I wanted his straightforward, tough advice and his firm, unrelenting affection. I picked up my phone to call him, but instead I read through our old messages to each other and watched how he had suddenly grown cold and formal before he disappeared. I went to look his name and number in my phone contacts and stared at it, looking for a sign of animation like I was watching someone in a coma waiting for life. I walked around my flat and searched for evidence that he'd been there. I held the copy of the book he'd left on the bedside table the last time he stayed. I touched the set of drawers he had helped me put up in the bedroom. His red woolen hat was in the cupboard. I turned it inside out and put my face into it. My knees reacted to the instantly recognisable scent of him. I hated him for making me a woman who breathed in an absent man's knitwear like it was a reviving salt. But every day since he disappeared, I needed proof that he had existed. Yes, he had been here. His trace was here. I hadn't dreamt him at all. I mean, Dolly writes beautifully about that, that sense of like, I hadn't dreamt him. I think ghosting is a form of being gaslighted, right? You feel crazy because you wonder what you missed all along or what signs you may have misread. Yeah. And you also feel like an idiot because this person likely meant a lot to you. And yet you mean so little to them that they can't spend 15 seconds writing a text message. And I think that's why a lot of people, I mean, I would love to live in a world where all these victims of ghosting get angry and they express that anger in their text messages or in phone calls, or they rock up to the person's house and demand answers. 
But realistically, when you're going through it, you already feel so completely crushed. Where on earth are you going to find the backbone or the resolve to try and do that when you've already gone through so much rejection? I'm going to read a passage from the chapter in our book, Zara, The Space Between. I wrote about this experience of being ghosted and I'm going to read that here. You will read through old messages that insisted you mattered. You will also pour over social media accounts that suggest the total opposite is true. Because if you mattered, why were you kept a secret? If you mattered, why did they grow bored so quickly? If you mattered, why don't they care? There are no photos of you together on social media, no mutual friends who can vouch for the electric current that flowed between you. There is no proof of what you had other than the streams of blue and grey bubbles on your phone, the only evidence of what was once there and now isn't. You lost someone who wasn't quite a friend but wasn't quite a boyfriend either. And how the hell do you explain that loss to the people around you? I think... For so many, this happens when someone is on the cusp of being your boyfriend or being your girlfriend. It is on that very cusp of you guys making it legitimate. And unfortunately, so many people on the cusp of that very important solidifying conversation get cold feet and their response to cold feet is to completely vanish. I think we fixate a lot, right, on this concept of closure. And I know I have definitely done that in the past, that I'm never going to move past a broken relationship or even a broken friendship if I don't understand exactly what went wrong. And a perspective that I really enjoyed reading was one from a woman called Deborah Felita, who is a relationship expert. And she spoke to Elite Daily saying, if relationships are like doors, you've got to get good at learning how to recognize and close the bad ones and keep them closed. Don't allow yourself to try and crack that door back open to sit and struggle and question for longer than you need to, because that often leads to deeper hurt and pain. I think when we talk about closure, Mish, we always talk about closure as something that needs to be given to you by Mm. someone else, something bestowed upon you by somebody else, often the person that hurt you. But how do you create your own closure? Like, I don't think I've ever heard a concept where you can create your own closure. And it's a pretty uncomfortable concept, I think, because it encourages you to do a lot of hard work and does put the onus on you. But it is possible, clearly from doing this reading, that you may never know someone's motivations and yet you can still get closure from that because you can create your own closure. You can say to yourself, I didn't actually want someone in my life that was going to treat me like this anyway. I think that's the whole crux of what getting over a ghost really looks like. You can't rely on them. I think it's really hard and it takes a bunch of tears and a bunch of heartache and a bunch of pain, but you have to come to terms with the fact that they're not going to help you. You can only help yourself through it. And this is something that dating coach Harris O'Malley spoke to New York Magazine's The Cut about as well. O'Malley's advice was do not go back. Text them once, text them twice, do not text them again. And I know that that's painful advice for some people and it's frustrating advice, but I really do stand by it. Harris O'Malley's quote was, there isn't an answer that's going to make someone say, okay, that's fair, I understand that. Especially when what you want to hear is, I'm an idiot who didn't know a good thing when I had it. In reality, the answers you get for why you were ghosted or dumped are almost always going to be even more gutting and almost make things worse. But then there is the argument on top of that. I mean, I agree with that to a point, like sometimes it will make it worse. But then there is the argument for people who always hold on to a tiny, tiny bit of hope for a very Mm. long time and never get back in the dating game and never see anyone again because they assume that this person will re-enter their life. Like I can see that perspective too. And I know that concept of not getting over them because you think perhaps there's a window of opportunity that maybe it may happen again can be really damaging for a lot of people. Yeah, and I mean, that's what Nina Dean in 
Dolly Alderton's book Ghosts that you just read out from before, Zara. That's what Nina did. She did keep a door open. She was kind of holding this flickering light waiting for Max to come back into her life. And I'm not going to spoil the book for anyone who hasn't read it, but that really does tell a story of how a ghost might not be the best person for you and might be really damaging. And I think it comes back to the fact that if they're capable of doing this to you, if they're capable of just leaving you waiting, just leaving you to figure it out on your own, just completely vanishing in thin air. What else are they capable of in an actual relationship? Say if you got married or if you had kids or if you have a mortgage together, like do you truly want someone around who doesn't put your needs and your interests first? And it sounds like a bit of a stacker and maybe obvious point to make, but I do think in a scenario like this, a ghost says so much about the person ghosting and really nothing about mm. the person ghosted. I mean, this will say a lot about their communication skills, their emotional intelligence, maybe a difficulty they have with commitment, the callousness of them. Mm. Like it does say a lot about them and very little about you. And I do think we need to encourage this sentiment of like, your pain is real and matters regardless of what that relationship looked like. I think this is also across the board for heartbreak that is induced by not just ghosting, but also heartbreak induced by a relationship that you touched on that didn't exist on social media or in the minds of the people around you, or even for heartbreak that might've been traditional heartbreak that you just can't shake. Like Mm. what happens when you're in this process of being like, I just can't get over them. And I know this might be opening a can of worms towards the end of our conversation, but I do think it's important for us as friends to encourage people to say, I'm still not over them. And it's been a year because I think that a lot of people are enclosed in this sort of cocoon of silence, maybe two months after the initial heartbreak because they feel like they can't talk about it anymore. Yeah, I think the thread that I've read from all the advice from experts online is don't give the power to the person who has ghosted you, but give yourself the power to feel your feelings. Like you are allowed to cry, to be angry, to scream into your pillow, to eat a whole tub of ice cream on the couch while you watch Bridget Jones. Like whatever way you need to heal and you need to grieve what you have lost, you have permission to do. And I think so often with ghosting and these... I guess, less legitimate, and I'm putting that in inverted commas, less legitimate relationships, is we expect people to move on. We expect people to pick themselves up and to get over someone, you need to get under someone and all those kind of terms that we throw out to expect people to just get on with life. But you are allowed to grieve a relationship in whatever way you want. I just hope that you grieve it in a way that makes you realise your worth and makes you realise what happened to you is not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of the society we unfortunately live in right now and the way that people approach not just romantic relationships, but all relationships and life in general. There's this one quote that I love from Lisa Bonas in the Washington Post. She wrote, it's easy to see how we got here. Our culture of busyness and flakiness created and enabled by technology allows us to avoid tough situations every day and not just in our love lives. Emails and texts fall through the cracks, sometimes accidentally, sometimes because we don't know what to say or are afraid to tell the truth. Once it became easy to cancel plans or push them back 10 minutes with a quick message, it became just as easy to vanish from someone's life. What are we really all so afraid of? That's a great quote from Lisa. And I guess the last thing to consider is that like, if you believe in a sliding doors moment, right? And that is one of my favorite films of all time. (laughs) So I might as well recommend it while I'm here. If you believe that everything happens for a reason, and I do, and that may be an annoying way to finish this episode, then you may well appreciate this last voicemail message we're going to leave you with. Hi, Zara and Michelle. 
My name's Kylie. I'm from America, and this is my ghosting story. So I was living in the Czech Republic. I took a flight to the Netherlands to visit my friend there, where I connected with a guy, and we continued talking even when I went back to the Czech Republic. Then it was summer holidays, so I went on a trip around the Balkan countries, which I planned before I was even talking to him. And we agreed that I would fly from Croatia to the Netherlands and end my holiday early to come visit him in the Netherlands for a few days before I had to go back to work in the Czech Republic. Halfway through my month and a half trip in the Balkan countries, he ghosted me. So I was obviously upset because we had really connected on an emotional level and I changed my whole trip to come see him. Uh, <laughs> so that was a bit devastating. But then a week before I was supposed to go to the Netherlands, he messaged me back and apologized for ghosting me, saying he got cold feet. And I said, you know what, whatever, I'll give him a second chance because I'm going to the Netherlands anyways. I've changed my whole trip, the last part of it, so I can go see him. Finally, it's time to go to the Netherlands. He's really excited, I'm really excited. And I get to the Netherlands, my flight lands, and he had ghosted me again. So I went to see my friend again. And <laughs> in the end, I met a guy in the Netherlands by coincidence and we met up, got a drink and he dropped me off at the airport and we have been dating ever since. And I've now moved from the Czech Republic to move in with my now boyfriend in the Netherlands. And I am so happy that this guy ghosted me so that I can meet my now boyfriend because he's an absolute angel and life could not be better. You have been listening to Love Etc, a production from Shameless Media. To support the show, please click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. We'll be back in your ears next Friday.